Welcome to another episode of Once Upon East 112, where one co-host is extremely pleased with this weekend, and the other co-host is, well, he's here. Donatus, how are you doing this week? I, uh... Ah, uh, man. I'm, it, I guess in terms of things that really matter, I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. But in terms of uh, my football team, uh, I am not I'm not happy right now with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, but on a bright note, I'm in two fantasy leagues, and I won in both leagues. So you know, you win some, you lose some. So I'm doing good, dude. How are you, man? <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Hey, I'm doing good. Uh, <laughs> this is our first week of simultaneous teaching. I have had nice. copious computer issues. Uh, <laughs> in fact, <laughs> yes, yesterday I had to teach my, like my, my computer just froze at the beginning of class and I had to teach. I, I downloaded the, the app real quick, the Microsoft Teams app and taught from my Microsoft Teams app the whole class period. Um, right. <laughs> man, I had to pull out a whole bunch of little audibles. Um, yeah. But it's, it's all in all going pretty good. Can't complain. Yeah. Can't complain. Yeah. Surviving. All right. What was that? I said, are you surviving? Definitely surviving. I would. I don't know okay. if I'd call it thriving. I don't know if I'd call it uh uh, anything other than surviving. We've only had like 8% of our population at the building. Uh, it's been a very small number of kids, um, but definitely surviving. I am exhausted. Um, it, teaching digitally is a lot harder than you think, than, than one would think it is. Um, and I am just, I look forward to the weekend to be able just to sleep now. Like, I thought that I wouldn't get as tired as when I teach in person because, like, teaching drains you. But, no, I, I come home and I knock out because I am tired. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Thank you all for joining us for another episode. Uh, before I get started, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Once Upon East 112. Share this with a friend. Add your commentary. Let us know what you think. Um, if you want to be a part of the show, let us know. Maybe we can get you uh, get get you as a part of the show. Like we had Jimmy on, um, like what feels like 12 years ago. Um, All right. <laughs> come join us. Have fun. Trash talk your favorite team because if they're terrible. Um, but this week. Like last week, you know, we got to do our, our check-ins on our favorite team because the majority of our, our fan base is, I think, really Falcons fans. And then there's me, the Browns fan. Um, <laughs> and then we're going to cover some big topics. What's that? I was just laughing, dude. Oh, I thought you were going to say something. But, yeah, no, they're all Falcons fans. So this week's a good week for me. Maybe not dying to so much. So we're going to begin with the good and we'll move to the ugly. Um, yes, the ugly. So here's the thing, ugly. the Browns. <laughs> ugly, ugly, ugly. Um, Super Bowl, was it 50? Super Bowl 50, ugly. Um, which we'll make those comparisons later. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the Browns, man, the Browns looked good. 
Like, the defense was terrible. I'm going to go ahead and say that. The defense was, was, was awful. We were down to, like, Miles Garrett was one of our defensive ends, and we were down to our third-string defensive end on the other side in Port Augustine, um, who, who played pretty well. But we, we were battered with injury on defense. Greedy Williams still wasn't there. Um, uh, Sendejo, who we got from the Vikings, is still a liability. Um, the, when it comes to the past, or the past defense, I don't know what happens to our linebackers, but they completely, um, I, I, they just disappear. Like the middle of the field is wide open. So if you wanted to beat the Browns, it appears that all you have to do is call for a tight end to just go sit 10 yards down in the middle of the field. No one's going to be within five yards of him. He's guaranteed to catch it. Uh, just do that every time, every play. They'll never catch on, apparently. And, and you'll drive down our throats. Um, we were just rattled with injuries, um, thus giving up 30 points to the Bengals. Good news is we have a lot of our starters coming back this week. We're finally going to get Greedy Williams. We're finally going to get Mac Wilson back at linebacker. Uh, Olivier Vernon supposedly back. Uh, so it'll be good to see how that defense plays this coming week. But the offense, woo, the offense looked good. We had the run game clicking on all cylinders. Nick Chubb hit it up for 124 yards, two touchdowns, 22 carries. Kareem Hunt hit it up for 10 carries, 86 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Baker ran for five yards. But with the, with the running backs, we had 210 yards rushing on 30 attempts. Um, our run game is going beautifully, like clicking on all cylinders, exactly as I hoped and prayed and thought that it would. Um, Baker came out and looked great. Yes, he had one pick. Um, he had a pick last week as well. But all in all, Baker was 6 for 23, 219 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he he really spread the ball out amongst all of our receivers. No one had uh, – you couldn't really key in on one person and say, I need to stop them. Because if you did, he went to somebody else. He actually – like everyone looked like there was chemistry. Um, Odell had six targets, four catches. Should have had five catches, but one of those was an obvious pass interference that wasn't called. Uh, that's not the point, though. Um, but he, he led the he led the group with six targets, but they weren't where I was encouraged. They weren't forced targets. Like Odell and Baker looked like they had actually practiced together before in this before this game. Uh, they had their first touchdown of the year, 74 yards. Landry got in it, or got in it. Kadero Hodge, who I complain every time we throw him the ball, got into it. Um, I complain because we seem to always love to target him, um, before targeting anybody else. And I'm, and, and it makes me angry. And I, it's irrational, side note, why I get angry when we throw Kadero Hodge the ball. Because last year, when Freddie Kitchens was our, our, our coach, and they sat Rashard Higgins and other weapons, and he was like, let's just keep throwing it to Kadero Hodge, who I had never heard of at, at that moment in time. But they kept throwing the ball to him. And whether it was incomplete, complete, got the ball no matter what. So now when I see them throw it to him, I groan. And Brooks like, but he caught the ball. And I'm like, I know, but still, <laughs> why him? Why are we throwing him the ball and giving him any love? Um <laughs> The, the biggest surprise for me, I think, with our offense is 
outside of our our our, our miniature amount of success with Njoku last week, throwing to our tight ends has not happened near as much as I thought it would. We targeted yeah. Hooper four times, only connected twice for 22 yards. Targeted Harrison Bryant twice. One of those was the interception. The other one was a, a completion for 14 yards. Um, I really thought they would be more involved than they are, and, I, and maybe they will as as uh, Stefanski begins rolling out his plan since we didn't have those preseason games. I don't know how comfortable uh, they are with the offense to fully unfold it. Um, I'm just glad they're getting that run game going because when that opens up, that's where all this pass game opens up. Baker looked – they did not give him, first off, with the game, uh, the, the commentators, analysts, whatever they're called, for whatever reason – they kept hating on Baker. Like, Baker was having an excellent game, and they were in love with Joe Burrow. That um, They kept sliding Baker was in love. Like Now, Joe Burrow looked good, looked really good. He threw for 316 yards. He threw 61 times. He threw <laughs> three times as many times as Baker Mayfield threw the ball. Um, but they were just in love with Joe Burrow, which he was good. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Um, I think one of the biggest stats here, I know I'm all over the place, but I'm just, I, I'm, I'm so baffled by how great the Browns played based on how we played Baltimore and based on what this team looked like last season. Uh, Baker Mayfield was sacked a total of zero times, and then analytics came out at the end of week two and said the Browns pass, um, pass protection ranked second in the NFL for week two. Um, like, wow. and, and, and that is with Jack Conklin, the guy we signed from Tennessee was out injured the whole game. So we had to put in Chris Hubbard, who was a liability all last season. He was in at right tackle and the line performed excellently when the pocket collapsed. Baker would roll out and, and either throw it to find a receiver and throw it to him, would scram, would, would run, which only happened three times or he would throw it away. He didn't force anything this game. His interception came on the fact that um, uh, a, one of the DBs got got away unnoticed. I didn't even see it until he, the ball was picked off. I didn't see him. Um, I'm not a you know NFL quarterback, but I didn't see him either. So it wasn't like it was a blatant terrible call to the DB. I mean they they are clicking on all cylinders. I'm I'm excited this this coming week we'll play the Redskins to see if these injuries when we come back um, if they um, if these injuries help and by injuries help I mean like these players coming back healthy in our defense to see how they help. Uh, Sandejo I know I, I I bagged on him he had he led the uh, the team with ten tackles but that is merely right. because the linebackers completely evacuated the middle. And so they were always getting to the safeties when they threw in the middle. Um, on the flip side, you know, Joe Burrow looked good, and that was pretty much it. A.J. Green now, we need to discuss him. He was looking Talk about bad. It. He was looking oh, bad. 13 targets. Yeah. Well, I guess that, that felt like it was that many. 13 targets, three catches. Denzel Ward had that man on lock. But there was a few passes they threw to A.J. Green that, you know, A.J. five years ago would have come down with that. He yeah. was looking 
old. I don't know if it's yeah. all the injuries that have been happening to him. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but A.J. is not A.J. Green. I will yeah. tell you that. Um, not at all the A.J. Green he has been in the past. Um, but, yeah, there's not really – I'll let you add on. There's not really much for me. I mean, the Browns look good. We gave up 30 to the Bengals, but that's because we have copious amounts of holes because of injuries on defense. The offense was what I expected it to finally be. I'm ready to see how they handle the Washington Redskins front because that's the only part – not Redskins mm-hmm. – Washington football team's front because that's the <laughs> only part of Washington that I'm concerned with is their, fr- yeah. is their uh, you know, the front seven. Um, yeah. Outside of that, I'm not concerned about them. So if we can block – uh, those rushers and 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 the front. Um, I'm looking for the Browns to steamroll over Washington and roll into two and zero going into Week Four. Um, what are your takes? I, I know since this was Thursday night, we both gotta gotta watch it. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, yeah, I thought I thought the Browns looked good. Um, I don't wanna I don't wanna rain on your parade. Um, they they got beat by arguably the best team in football uh, pretty sound soundly, um, and then they turned around to beat you know probably one of the worst teams in football. Um, but they looked good doing it. You know that thirty five to thirty is not really evident of. To me, the Browns looked pretty dominant and in control most of the game. Um, like you said, Baker Mayfield looked really good. I think. He reminded he reminded us of why he was the number one pick in 2018. He looked like his old Baker Mayfield self. Um, whether you want to say that that was when he was um, a rookie, you know that 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 last half of the season that he played and tore it up, or if you want to go back to his Oklahoma days, um, he was dropping dimes. He was accurate. Um, he had good movement in the pocket. He took off and ran when he needed to. Um, you know, he looked mobile. He he looked – Baker Mayfield looks really good, man. Um, and I think if he'll play like that all season, I think he'll very easily shut up the doubters that have started to come around. Um, I think you guys found the formula that's going to lead to you guys winning a lot of games. Um, and you did it last week. Uh, maybe not with as much success, but you did it last week, and then you turned around and did it again this week. Um, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, man, had 32 carries for about 210 yards, I think is what the math is. Um, three total touchdowns. Uh, Nick Chubb averaged 5.6 yards. Kareem Hunt averaged an astounding 8.6 yards per carry, which is insane. Um I think that's the key to you guys winning a lot of games is is running the ball early. Like, they fed Nick Chubb early, and he just hit it, hit it, hit it, and they just kept going to him, man. Um, and they would they would spell Kareem Hunt for, for Nick Chubb, and then they'd give it right back to Nick Chubb. Um, and I think that's the key to winning the game. We started to see I, – I, I didn't watch too much of the first game, but from this game it looked like Kevin Stefanski was kind of comfortable – Calling plays, um, it looked like he was comfortable doing doing what he what he's been known to do. Um, really being able to incorporate his offense, we saw with the Vikings last year, he gave the ball to Dalvin Cook a lot, um, and it looks like he's doing the same thing this year. Um, you know that that stat that you sent me that they're they're already averaging 
um, 6.1 yards per carry. Um, that's crazy, man, because that means you're picking up a first down every two downs that you run the ball. Um, your line, which, which must mean that your line is getting really good push. Um, like you alluded to, the, the line did a really good job of protecting Baker Mayfield. Again, like you alluded to, Baker Mayfield spread the ball around. Um, OBJ looked, looked decent. Um, he didn't look, he didn't look bad. Um, you know, there, there are a couple balls that were thrown his way that, that I think he could have caught that he missed. Um, I was surprised that they only tar- targeted Jarvis Landry three times. I don't know how much of that had to do with injury. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that he's fully healthy from that hip injury. And since it was a short week, I think they kind of, they used him maybe a little bit more as a decoy than, than they did, um, you know, trying to, trying to push the ball to him. Um, but I thought, I thought they looked good. Like you said about AJ Green, man. Um, I'm surprised that AJ Green did that terribly. Um, you already said he was targeted 13 times and only caught the ball three times. Um, Denzel Ward, I mean, to your point, Denzel Ward is, is he's got to be, he's easily a top 10 corner. I think you could make the argument he might be a top five corner in the, in the league. Um, so, so he, he's no joke. He's here to play. Uh, but still, when you throw the, when you get the ball thrown to you 13 times, you've got to come down with at least half of those, man. Especially if you're AJ Green. So I don't know, man. I don't know if he's going to retire or, or what, but like you said, man, it's kind of sad to see that AJ Green is definitely not the AJ Green that was, um, dominant a few years ago in the past. Um, Burrow looked good. Burrow looked really good, man. Um, I didn't realize until you said it that he threw the ball. He attempted to throw the ball 61 times. Man, um, he never but, stopped throwing the ball. <laughs> like, you can't – I, I, you can do that while he's young, man, but you can't have your rookie quarterback throwing the ball close to 70 times every single game. Um, they're they're, they're going to have to figure stuff out, getting Joe Mixon the ball. Um, I know that their line's not good, so I guess they're trying to do just a lot of quick short passes to get the ball out of Burrow's hands. Um, but, the, yeah, the Bengals are going to have to try and they're going to have to figure some stuff out. Um, like you said, man, I'm interested to see how, how the Browns look against the, the Washington um, football team. Uh, not that Washington's a good team, but Washington did beat the Eagles. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see um, – what the Browns are able to do with Washington. Is the game at home or is it on the road? Do you know? Oh, that's a good question. Hey, I'll say you can, you can carry on your point now. I can let you know I have it saved in my phone. Um, it home. is in Ohio. Yeah. Oh, and with that, with those fans, you heard how many, cause, oh, wait, if they're only doing two games with fans, they may not have fans. I'll say with those 6,000 fans, those are some loud fans for 6,000 people in that stadium. Oh yeah, man. It was very loud. So yeah, man. I mean, I think, I think you have a lot to, a lot to, to be proud of. Um, you know, the, I think a lot of people had a lot of questions about the Browns after week one, but again, they played the best team in football. Um, and, and this week they came out and, and showed that, that, you know, they, they could, they could be a team that pushes for the playoffs. Um, I know I had them winning 11 wins. I think you had them winning 11 or 12, maybe 10. Um, and they looked like they could they could get to that point um, the way that they played. So a lot of good stuff. I think they just need to continue to build on it. 
um, and, and build on that, that momentum that they've, that they've had. But I was really pleased to see Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt running the ball the way that they did. I think that's the secret to the Browns' success. Um, yeah, year. I, uh, I'm still standing by, I know I said 11 wins. I'm standing by my 11 wins. I know I was very discouraged after, uh, after week one, but then I had to remind myself that, um, the Ravens are clearly one of the top two teams in the NFL and one of the most complete teams in the NFL, Bill and the Chiefs. Um, and then when I watched the Ravens pretty much equally dismantle the Texans, who had Deshaun Watson, I'm like, okay, you know, we're, I mean, they have Bill O'Brien. But I'm like, they have Deshaun Watson, who people put as a top-five QB, and the Ravens handled them pretty easily. Um, so I, I was able to brush off week one and, and, and chalk it up to um, it's the Ravens. Um, the, the Bengals are better than I think that people are giving them credit for. However, they are they are not a good team by any means, and they are not the Ravens. My only disappointment was the fact that we gave up thirty, but we have so many injuries on, on defense that's coming back. Um, I, I was thankful that we were playing a bad team, and because with no preseason and with a brand new head coach and a brand new offense. Um, playing the Ravens week one and getting smashed is not very encouraging to anyone that we have this new head coach and new offense and we're still losing 38 to six. Um, so all I wanted to see, all I cared about seeing was a competently ran offense against a team that we should be. And that offense looked, in my opinion, pretty flawless. Um, I mean, I know we had an interception, but outside of the interception, we we scored on almost every possession, um, which is how it should be <laughs> against a team like the Bengals. Um, and so I'm glad that we have Washington next because they do have that good they they do have that good defensive line. That if we can now go into our next week of success and be able to block effectively against a really good defensive line and still run and still pass. Um, these are almost our, I don't, I don't want to say it, I'm knocking some wood because I don't want it to go bad, but these are almost our preseason games that we were blessed with two not great teams to be able to work through our offensive problems with. Um so therefore, you're not like going into week four against the bad teams now, and you're zero and three, and, and was smashed three times in a row. Um, yeah. Like for example, I think the Texans are going to struggle because not only did they have one of the worst trades in history, they began with the Chiefs and the Ravens at the beginning of the season. Um, there's only so much you can take by getting beat down by the two best teams in the very beginning of the season. Um, side note, though. And then we can move on to your Falcons. But I, I found this very interesting no, as I watched. Take as long as you want. Take as long <laughs> as you want on the Browns. Well, I, I, I want to get your opinion because I, I was, I paid special notice to the Vikings this season, um, partly because I have Dalvin Cook on my fantasy team. The other part <laughs> is because we got Stefanski from them. And one of my big red flags, not red, uh, small red flags, was when we did hire Stefanski, people muttered that um, Stefanski wasn't really the mastermind, but it was um, – oh, what's Buddy's name? He's the OC now for the Vikings. Um, Derek Kubiak. 
Kubiak. You know, it was Kubiak was the mastermind and Stefanski was the face. And yeah. that was the exact same rumors when we promoted Kitchens from interim OC to head coach was that Zampice was the mastermind, but Kitchens was taking the credit as the interim OC. And with his yeah. one year's head coach, it was very obvious that Kitchens did not know what he was doing. Um, so the fact that after this week, our offense looked like the Viking offense and was having great success, and that the Vikings are really bad. Like I watched them against, I watched them against the Colts, and the Colts are pretty. Their defense is pretty good, but they looked terrible. Um, and the week before, they uh, I think they played Green Bay, and they looked terrible. Um, I, I is so. I guess the question I'm trying to pose is. Is Kubiak not as good as people gave him credit for? And is Stefanski really that good? Because you think about Kirk Cousins, and he had glimpses of success in Washington, like enough glimpses to trade for and give him a lot of money. And then he looked, I mean, almost like a pretty, pretty really good starting quarterback with the Vikings. And now that Stefanski's gone, he looks bad. They're not giving Dalvin Cook the ball. They can't do Anything. They, I mean, they're, they looked, I, I can't emphasize how bad they looked in that one game I watched. Um, tried to watch and then I quit watching. Um, do you think that losing Stefanski was that big of a, um, a downer to them? It's, it's hard to tell, man, because I don't know, man. And part, this is, I guess this is kind of where it goes back to people's names. I wouldn't think that Gary Kubiak would make their offense worse. Um, he's been a su- successful head coach and offensive coordinator in the NFL for, for years. Um, I, I don't know what the Vikings' problem is. I don't know if it, it's if it's Stephon Diggs leaving. I, I don't know if their defense is bad and the offense wasn't planning on being on the field that long. I don't know if they're if it's the line, um, but to, to answer your question, to your point, it's it looks like right now that 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 they're missing Kevin Stefanski. And look, man, Stem, Kevin Stefanski was there, I think, for close to a decade, if not more. Um, he was there for like twelve years. Yeah. So even though he only called plays the last year, year and a half, two years. Uh, that was a pretty stable piece that you've had in your organization for the past, you know, 10 to 12 years. Um, so I, I think definitely that they're, that they're feeling his loss a little bit. Um, you know, he kind of, he kind of opened up the playbook for Kirk Cousins to play to Kirk Cousins strength. Um, you know, same thing with, with Kevin, with, uh, with Dalvin Cook. Um, and you're kind of starting to see the same things with, with the Browns. Um, so, yeah, it, it looks like for sure that the Vikings are missing Kevin Stefanski right now. And, and, and I agree like with Browns you. Got, got it right. Uh, yeah, because as their head coach. Because I agree with you. Um, um, Kubiak has had success in the NFL as a play caller and a little bit as a head coach in some places. Um, supposedly – like, the people that, that Stefanski has been under, 
because uh, he played defense in college. So, like, I, I, I figure by nature he's a defensive-minded guy. Um, yeah. And the people he has learned his offense from, people like Kubiak, share is the Shanahan offense. Um, yeah. So they, they're all under the same family tree. And so he has been under several people who run that offense, and this most recent one being Kubiak. Um, and by under with Kubiak, I mean, like, Kubiak was the assistant head coach, a lot of focus on the offense, worked a lot with Stefanski. And so you would think that take out Stefanski, put in Kubiak, nothing would change because right. they run virtually the exact same thing. Uh, Kubiak right. just has – not Kubiak. Stefanski has a few um, modifications to it, like how, how Shanahan would talk about. He has modifications to it. But the fact that they're looking this bad and the only major difference – but one of the major differences is Stefanski's not there. The other one is Stefan Diggs is gone. But I don't think they even used him to the extent where he can be labeled a major change. Right. Um, right. I just it, – they look so different. And Kirk Cousins has not looked good at all. And, and uh, Stefanski uh, really found a way to highlight him. Uh, I, I know Dalvin Cook's not getting the ball as much because fantasy tells me so. Um, and so I just, I just thought it was very intriguing. I did see a post on Twitter after the, the uh, Ravens game when our offense looked terrible and somebody was like, well, what did you think you were going to get from Stefanski? And, and what about his resume screamed head coach as he had the 14th, because the Vikings had, had, had the 14th ranked offense last year. And I thought the offense was okay. Um, and, and it got in my head a little bit because I was like, you're right. He isn't that good. Maybe I did overblow this like I do every time. Um, but now I think the Vikings are on track to have, like, you know, <laughs> 25th ranked offense this season. Right. So if they have 25th ranked offense talent, but Stefanski pushed them to 14, that's a really good increase yeah. if, if, you, yeah. if you actually don't have as much talent as everyone thinks you have. Um, I don't know. I I just thought it was interesting that the only pieces missing from Minnesota, or the major pieces missing from Minnesota, was Stefanski and Diggs. Um, and I don't think Diggs is a big enough piece for them to tank this poorly. Um, yeah. All that to say, Browns are going eleven and five. We will be in the playoffs this year. Calling it, baby. Calling it again. <laughs> all right. You guys and that's about my breath. <laughs> they did, and I was very encouraged. Very encouraged. Yeah. You sure you don't just want to spend this whole podcast talking about the Browns? No, we've already spent, like, if my time is right, because we spent a little bit, we spent, like, 10 minutes before this talking. So we've been talking for 30 minutes about the Browns. So now I – mean, uh, I'm good if we just don't talk about the Falcons to talk about. The oh Falcons. no, we gotta talk about it, man. We you're, with, with what happened, we have to talk about it. We can spend as long or as lit. Well, no, I'm not gonna say as little because you'll say one statement and say we're done. <laughs> we will spend as long as we need to or until we have fleshed out whatever happened with the Falcons, and then we'll go into a different topic. So, <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons. The floor is yours. Man, I'm sitting down here in my basement just shaking my head. Like, uh, I don't even know, dude. Like, talking to Falcons fans over the past couple of days 
and and uh we all just kind of look at each other and we just shake our heads man you know it's like i don't know dude i was looking i was i was on instagram you know on the falcons instagram put like the final score and they put final and like people were going in on the atlanta falcons like talking about how they they've caused them emotional distress and how they've traumatized them and fire Dan Quinn and why can't we get it together? Like people are going in, man. And it's just, it's just one of those things, dude, that I just, I, I, I don't know, man. It's a, a lot of the same thing. The offense looked okay. And the, the defense looked like they could lose to a middle school team, honestly. Um, <laughs> and I just, I don't, I just I don't know, dude. I don't understand how you're up like so. I actually didn't watch the first half of the game, and um, I I have Dak Prescott starting at fantasy, and so uh, you know after the first half, I'm like, well, he's got zero points, and uh, I guess it's just going to be one of those days of fantasy where I get blown out, and you know it it is what it is. Um, and then he finished off having, I think, 40-something points of fantasy. Um, Dak Prescott threw for 450 yards, bro. Like, he threw for almost 500 yards. He had three rushing touchdowns. We held Zeke Elliott under 100 yards. He had 22 carries for 89, which all things considered is pretty good. Anytime that you hold Zeke Elliott under 100 yards, you should win the game most of the time. Um Where to start, man? Julio, this is when we, this is when, this is freaking when we should have known that it was not going to go good. Julio Jones dropped a wide open pass in the touchdown. And it was at that point that I thought, this game is not going to end well. Like, I don't remember how much we were up by or whatever, but I knew at that point, this is this is setting us up to get disappointed. Todd Gurley ran the ball 21 times for 61 yards. That's 2.9 yards per carry. Um, that's not good at all. Uh, Matt Ryan looked okay, but I've realized, and this might just be me. I'm actually curious to hear from other Falcons fans. You can uh, you can you know message us on on Facebook or or whatever. Um, Matt Ryan has kind of looked like he's kind of over it this year. Like, he's looked at times like he's very frustrated and, and kind of pissed off. And, like, he's, like, he looks like he's done. And, um, and I get that completely, um, cause he's got Dirk Cutter calling plays and he's got Dan Quinn as his head coach. But, but Ryan looks like, when I say he's over it, he looks like he's over it, man. Um, Russell Gage looked good again. Calvin Ridley looked good. We only targeted Julio four times. Um, two receptions for 24 yards. That's from the top three NFL receiver. Um, Brian Hill, our second or third string running back, had two receptions for 11 yards. Um, we just, I just, I don't know, man. You're on the road. You're playing Dallas, which is a really talented team. Um, you're up 20 to nothing. You get up 39 to 24 with five minutes left in the game. 
and then it all just goes south. But it's like it all happened so quickly that I I don't really know what happened and how it happened. Um, uh, I don't know, man. Like, at the end of the game, so, you know, obviously that group message that we're in um, on Facebook for our fantasy league, and then I'm in a, I'm in a text thread with my other fantasy league, and um, like every single Falcons fan said the exact same thing. Everybody was like, "Fire Dan Quinn, fire him, fire him out, like fire him immediately, like fire him in the post in the post game conference, like fire that dude." And I'm I'm like I'm so done with Dan Quinn, dude. Like I'm I'm so done with him, man. Because it's the same thing every single game. And then they'll come out with these BS excuses at the end of the game and be like, well, you know, we're disappointed. The outcome of the game should have been differently. We're a better team. We know we got to play well. Uh, but we'll just – we'll practice hard next week and, and we'll come out here and try again. And I'm like, dude, like, come on, bro. Like, you got to give me something better than that. Like you've got you've got one of the better offenses in the NFL. You have Sink and Todd Gurley on your team. Like our lot is terrible, and our defense is awful, man. Which I mean, I guess like we knew coming into the season that our offensive line and that our defense were going to be rough. I just didn't know that it was going to be this bad. And one of my friends who's a Falcons fan brought up a really good point. The past, like, two to three years, we've spent most of our draft picks on defense and offensive linemen. We've spent most of our offseason, like, free agent signings on defense and offensive line. We have so much money and draft capital invested in our defense and our offensive line, and it's, it's completely inexcusable for them to perform the way that they're performing because now, like, at this point, you're talking about, your front office is not is not going down and getting the right players, and your coaches are not developing the right players. And so, like, they just need to they need to tear the whole thing down and and just build from the ground up. You know, like I know one of our friends jokingly said, "Tank for Trevor." Um, I I don't care. I don't care if we get Trevor Lawrence or if we get Justin Fields or the kid from North Dakota State or or whatever. But like, I'm, I'm kind of to the point where it's like. You trade Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Todd Gurley, Calvin Ridley. Just trade everybody. Get a whole bunch of draft picks and just just start completely over. You know, fire fire Thomas Dimitra, fire Dan Quinn, and just start completely over. Um, it, it's just it's completely inexcusable, man. Um, and I get like we played two really good offenses, but it's just we were up twenty to nothing. You were up thirty nine to twenty four. Like. You just run the ball and play decent defense, man. Like, we could get 11 of our friends to go play defense, and we would have been able to stop the Dallas Cowboys better than that. Like, you're up 39 to 24, man. I just – I don't I don't know, man. I don't understand. So, that's that's really all I have to say about the Falcons. Tell us how you really feel, man. Dude, um... <laughs> I, I'm not even going to talk about that freaking onside kick, bro. Like <laughs> – Man. Oh, we're talking about it. <laughs> oh man, dude! If if See, this what? wasn't a family-friendly podcast, I I I uh, number eighty-seven, Jaden Graham. I'm looking at you, bro. You need to you need to be cut, man. 
Number 17, <laughs> Zacharias, you need to be gone too. Number 41, I don't know your name, but I don't like you. Hayden Hurst just stayed, just stared at the ball. And uh, Julio's out there. Thinking Julio Jones is out there staring at the ball. Here's what I don't understand. What's the first thing when you're playing football, like when you're six years old, what's the first thing that they teach you in football? Like the first, the, the point of the game, the point of football is to get that oval leather pigskin thing. That's the point of the game. Like you want that ball, whether you're on offense or defense, you want the oval brown pigskin leather thing. That's what you want. That's the point of the game. So, like, they teach you when you're six years old, see ball, get ball. Like, you see the ball, you get the ball. How the heck are you a professional in the NFL, you've been playing football your whole blessed life, and you don't understand, see the ball, get the ball. You see the freaking ball, you get the ball. Like, it's not... It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. It's not complicated. We don't make it hard for you. The point of the game is to get the ball. You just get the you get the freaking football. <laughs> I don't understand how hard that is, man. And they they onside kick it. This is my thought process. So they onside kick it, and they I see they put the ball flat on the ground. I'm like, this isn't gonna work. Like we've got this. We're gonna win. No problem. Call it. You know, pack it up. Call it a game. Falcons get the first win. We're one and one. We're on to the next game, facing Chicago, which you know I thought before now was a joke, but they look. I mean, they're two and zero. That's this irrelevant, but it, whatever. So I'm like, well, this isn't going to work. There's no way that ball is going ten yards. So then they kick the ball, and here's here's what I'm thinking. I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. That's not going ten yards. That ball is not going ten yards. Pick the ball up. Pick the ball up. Pick the ball up. What the heck are you doing? Pick the ball up. How the heck did you just, what just, how did, what just happened? And then immediately I'm like, well, we just lost because their line is automatic from 60 yards out, and we just gave them the ball on the 46-yard line. So we lost, man. I just, I don't understand, dude. I just, I don't understand. The point of the game is to get the football. <laughs> I can't say that enough because <laughs> I don't think they understand that the point of football is, like, that's the object of the game, man, is you want that football. At what point in your head do you think, I'm not going to touch the football? They just stared at the ball as it goes by them. Like, that's something you would expect from a peewee team. I've watched seven-year-olds see the ball on the ground and watch it go by them. I've also seen seven-year-olds look at the ball on the ground and fall on top of it. How hard is it? I'm done, man. That's that's all I got. I thought I was over it. I'm clear. I'm clearly not over it. I just I I don't I don't I don't understand. It's the point of the game, like you know. I feel like Allen Iverson. We're talking about practice, you know. What are we talking about? We're talking about practice. I mean, we're talking about practice. Like we're talking about getting the football. What are we talking about? We're talking about getting the freaking football. Like just get the ball. Fall on the ball, man. Golly, Atlanta, dude. I don't know, man. How do you – it's a joke, man. Like, it's one of those things, literally, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. Like, if you don't laugh, you cry yourself to sleep. It's it's tough. Say some pressure from Atlanta Falcons fans. Like, I don't understand, man.
I'm so I was going to ask some follow-up questions, but I think I'm going to. <laughs> I told you. I told you as uh, as long or as short as you wanted, and um, I have changed my mind. <laughs> I am going to ask one follow-up question. I, well, because I was going to bring up that I remember at some point. During the, uh, at some point in that group message we have, when the Falcons were still up, you had said, I mentioned last week that you have to give, um, you have to give, um, Todd Gurley the ball 20 times and we'll win. And that's when you were up by double digits. Um, yes. and he got the ball 22 times. I know. <laughs> yeah, he got the ball. <laughs> 22 oh, times. I I thought I I guess I just figured it was an understood thing that like if you see the football on the ground you would pick it up. So apparently it's not. But had they understood that, I would have been right. Like I still stand by that. Like we've got to give Todd Gurley Todd Gurley the ball 20 plus times if we want to win. Now that being said. We also have to pick the ball up if it's on the ground if we want to win the game. But I didn't think I'd have to say that. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch the game. Um, I thought there were other games on at one that I wanted to watch over that one, um, especially when I saw that the Falcons came out and went up big early. That, that solidified my desire in not watching the game. <laughs> and then as the Cowboys began to came, come back, I was like, well, maybe I should flip it over. And then as they began to come back, I saw in the little ticker, the Falcons extended the lead again to like 18 points. And I was like, no, there's no point in going back over. And the next thing I know, y'all are blowing up the, the, the chat. And, <laughs> and I look and <laughs> Dallas gets the onside kick. And then takes it down in range to win the game, game winning field goal. And I was absolutely stunned that your beloved Falcons not only blew a 20 plus point lead one time in the Super Bowl, but turned around with the same head coach and did it again in the regular season. Um, so, let me pull up the Falcons' schedule. Let's figure this out because the Falcons' offense, the thing is, is is actually pretty good. Um, I mean, without except for Julio Jones dropping the ball, Matt Ryan is putting up like stellar stats. Um, if, if you're not looking at his stats, uh, Matt Ryan looks like an uh, an All Pro quarterback again. Mm-hmm. The downside is the defense is trash. So, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> at what point? Is Dan Quinn fired? I have their I have their uh, their schedule. He should have been fired Sunday afternoon. I what are we waiting for? Fire Dan Quinn. Fire Dan Quinn. Like what? Why are we waiting? Why are we dragging this out? Are we waiting to lose to Chicago? Are we waiting to lose to who do we play after that? Like. At what point is enough enough the the Green Bay Packers? Is it going to be when we yep. lose to the Carolina Panthers? 
or when we lose to the Vikings or the the Detroit Lions. Like, at what point is enough enough? Like, just fire him. I don't know if he has, like, some kind of dirt on Arthur Blank or something like that, but, like, just fire him. Fire the dude and move on. I I think, and I, I need to go back and check the tape um, on our discussion, but I'm pretty sure in our podcast I said that he would be fired after week five, um, which is the Panthers game. Thank you. Right. And and my and I think I said, if I'm correct, that y'all start out two and five, and that after that disappointing start, they're just going to go ahead and call it. Um, yeah. I have changed my opinion. I still think it's five games. I don't think you go two and five. I think somehow you pull out a win against the 2-0 and Bears because the Bears, though they're 2-0, and um, let me pull them up real quick. I believe they haven't really played. They beat the Lions and they beat the Giants. And they, and they were close against the Giants and they were close against the Lions. And the Lions are supposed to be good this year. I don't think Matt Patricia is actually a good head coach. Um, so I don't think the Lions will be good until he's gone. But that's, a, that's another point. Um, but they've beaten, they've beaten two teams that aren't like electric teams and they've beaten them by, by close margins. So I do think the Falcons pull out a win against the Bears, but well, I, I think they, I, am I supposed to feel better about myself because we beat the Chicago Bears? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not trying to, no, 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 I, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to, to analyze and predict when this is going to happen. And I, I don't think, cause it, it looks terrible. I, I, I think Arthur Blank is also trying to save face like, Two games in, at that point, you yeah. should have done it last season. Mm-hmm. So I think he can justify it still after week five because I think you beat the Bears. I think you lose to the Packers. And I think the deafening blow is by losing to the Panthers at home. Um, the Panthers have not been near as bad as what I thought they would be. Um, they're not good. I mean, they're 0-2, but they were within four points of the Raiders who just beat the Saints. And all the way until the end of the game, they were hanging with the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers ran away at the end. Like, it was 21-14 to 14 for a while in that game yeah. before the Buccaneers yeah. ran away. Um, and the Buccaneers is a much better team, I think, than the, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they struggled against the Saints in week one, but once again, lack of preseason, I think, did that. I think the Falcons end up losing at home to the Panthers um, and I think that is the last straw for Dan Quinn, and I think they go ahead and fire him so they can begin thinking about a coaching search. I just think I think the reason they haven't done it yet is because if you fired him after two weeks, that means you should have done it last season and you could have done a coaching search with everyone else. Uh, two weeks makes you look incompetent. Five weeks doesn't look much better, but at least it gives him a chance, quote-unquote, gives him a chance to kind of dig out of his hole, uh, which he's not going to be able to do. Um, and I think after the Panthers game, Arthur Blank has seen enough. You'll be one and four, um, and he's going to say, all right, pack your bags. It's time to go. Um, because at that point, the season's lost. Because you have, there, there, there's, like, you have, I guess, gimme games throughout the season, and not even that. The Raiders have turned out better than I thought they would be. Depending on how, um, depending how Justin Herbert keeps playing, the Chargers game may not be that easy of a game. Um, Broncos, it all depends on if Drew Locke comes back. So like the Vikings, 
the Broncos and one of those Panther games, I think, will be gimme games. But outside of that, based on these first two games, even though you were competitive with two, uh, I mean, semi-competitive with the Seahawks, who may be the best team in the NFC, um, you blew a lead against a Cowboys team that does have a stacked offense but a terrible defense. Um, but I, I just think the, the morale is going to hit an all-time low. And you, you got to get rid of them after the Panthers game. I, I think you start out one and four, and then they finally call it. That's my thought. I just want them gone. I just want them gone, dude. I'm I'm done with Dan Quinn, man. And and I hate to be the person that gets on here and talks about somebody losing their job because uh, I know, like, I know from firsthand experience, it's not fun when you lose your job. But like, it's also I didn't. I didn't lose my job because I wasn't doing my job. Like I lost my job one because of COVID, you know, like, and he's not, he's not, not performing because of COVID. Like he's not performing because he's not doing his dang job that we're paying him to do. You know, like this is not one of those things where it's like a good coach with a, with a bad football team and it's really not their fault. You know, it's, it's, it's a, 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 a bad coach with a, an okay team. Like, I don't even know that the Falcons are good anymore. Um, so, I don't know, man. I don't know. All right, I'll let you, I'll let you move on. Um, we'll move into our last topic of the night, um, uh, just because we're already at the uh, hour point. It, you, there's so much emotion through that. As you can tell, Don Tiss is not hurt at all. Um, not even a little bit. <laughs> so, this week, there was a big trend that happened that if we didn't talk about it, um, if, if we would be like, what are we doing, is injuries upon injuries upon injuries. Just to name a few, I have a list up here. Um, uh, McCaffrey went down for a few weeks. Drew Locke, and, um, for quarterback for the Broncos, out for two to six weeks. Cortland Sutton out for the season with a torn MCL and ACL. Um, let's see, the uh, the Colts lost Malik Hooker and Paris Campbell. Um, where's that? The Rams lost two of their running backs. Uh, Giants Saquon Bark- Barkley and, and Sterling Shepard got hurt. And then I and then one of the teams that I was surprised when these kept popping up over and over and over again. The Niners lost Bosa, Garoppolo, Monster, Solomon Thomas, and Tevin Coleman. All the injuries <laughs> during the game. Yeah. So, yeah. those are just a few of the injuries that happened. And it seemed like my phone blew up, or Twitter blew up, like, every five minutes with a new person yeah. who went down. Um, it was a nice theme. So, I guess, A, I want to get your take on um, – why do we think I, – I, I have a theory as to why all these injuries happen. Um, my, my theory is the fact that I, I, I now believe that preseason is necessary for, like, two games. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I think this is – I want to say maybe you mentioned this in the group or someone mentioned it. Um, I think getting those real game hits for, like, a series or two and practicing the cuts and finding actual holes and pass rushing and everything, I think is is vital. Um, and is and um, and so therefore having those at least two games of preseason 
is necessary. And the second question I want to ask you is, what team, and I think it may be obvious, I, I'm balancing between two, what team do you think this affects the most? So, A, do you think having preseason could have potentially, we don't know for sure, but potentially have kept some of these injuries from happening, and who do you think is impacted the most from that list? Yeah, um, you know, I was I was surprised that we uh we didn't see a lot of injuries in week one. Um, you know, we saw we saw Kittle go down, uh we saw Michael Thomas go down, which that was just a freak injury, you know, like Kamara rolled up on his ankle. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um so I was I was really surprised that we didn't see this, this many injuries come down week one. I thought I thought we were gonna see a lot of injuries, but I thought we were gonna see it happen in week one. Um, I did not think we were going to see this many injuries, though, um, period, and especially in week two. Like you said, man, it was like every five minutes somebody was going down um, to the point where it was just really kind of hard to believe and really kind of insane. So I don't know. I kind of I, I kind of go back and forth. Um, I think that it's it's lack of conditioning this year. Um, like you said, they, they only had 14 padded practices this year because of, of COVID and everything. Um, so I don't, I don't know that I think it's as much that, that has to play with the, with the preseason games. I think it's because they didn't have that many practices. Um, and they didn't have that, the chance to condition. Um, you know, injuries that, that, that you're affected by because of like practices and, or lack of conditioning is, you know, like, with Grant Delpit where he tears his Achilles. Um, you know, like those are those are lack of conditioning injuries. Um somebody tears their ACL or their MCL or their PCL or uh you know they 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 sprain an ankle or whatever. To me that's kind of a little bit more of like those are football injuries. Um, you know, like unfortunately that's just the chance that you're gonna take when you have people diving at your knees like there's there's a chance any time that you suit up that you that you could tear your ACL. Um so I I don't know, man, it's kinda hard for me at least to to say, yes, this is affected because of preseason. Um but I like your idea. I think I think they need to do two preseason games at least. I think that would be good. Because um, you make a good point about them just not being used to, to taking kits, but I think that's also that was also affected this year because they only had fourteen padded practices so they weren't they weren't getting hit at all. Um, the team I think that is affected the most by this. I I I've got two teams actually. Um, the first one to me is an obvious one. That's the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I I honestly don't know how they're going to find enough people to to play on Sunday. Um, they're down there. They're down there starting quarterback for I think four weeks or so. Um, they're down their top two running backs, um, and then their their third string running back, Jarek McKinnon, is coming off back to back ACL tear injuries in the past two years. Um, and then I want to say something like even Jeff Wilson, their fourth string running back, is battling injuries. They're still out. Debo Samuel, obviously Emmanuel Sanders, left in the off season. Um, Brendan Ayuk was hurt the first game. He played this past game. Uh, George Kittle is out. Um, I, they, I think that, that 
he might play this week. I really think he's probably going to miss at least another two weeks or so. Um, and then their defense, man, what was Richard Sherman, I think, was, was his an Achilles or an ACL or something, but he's out for the season. Yeah, and that was before this started. Yeah, both and Thomas are both out for the season with ACL injuries. Um, I I don't know. I I guess, and I don't know medicine, man, but I I guess I wonder what causes an ACL injury because we had five or six ACL injuries. Um, Barkley, Thomas, Bosa, uh, Sutton. Um, and I think there were a couple more, man. So I don't, it, it looked like a lot of people had torn ACLs this, this, this week. So, um, it's really sad, you know, like injuries are part of the game, but still you hate to see so many players going down and getting hurt. And, and none of these are like banged up injuries. I think the majority of the people who got knocked out of the game Sunday, like none of them came back. Um, and most of them are out for at least two to three weeks. So, I just I don't know how San Francisco and I know like you had them going you had them winning like six games, um, but I don't think you had them winning six games because of injury. <laughs> and no. the, the rest of the NFC West looks good, man. Like the Rams look like they did back in two thousand and seventeen or eighteen, whenever they made it to the Super Bowl. Uh the Cardinals look good. The Seahawks, like you said, look like they're the best team in the NFC West. Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson are both having, I know it's two weeks in, but both having MVP caliber seasons. Uh, Jared Goff looks like he knows what he's doing. Um, so, you know, this is an in, it's never an opportune time to go down with injuries, but this is an inopportune time for the, for the 49ers to suffer a lot of injuries. My second team is the Carolina Panthers. And that's just because CMC is their – that's their team, man. And so you're looking at him now missing four to six games – four to six weeks. Um, and I don't think that anybody thought they had a chance at making the playoffs, but the Saints are one-on-one, the Buccaneers are one-on-one, the Falcons are 0-2. So that division right now was still very winnable. They play the Falcons in, in three weeks. Um you know, the, 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 there was a chance that they might have been able – their offense looked like they were pretty good. Robbie Anderson is showing out. Teddy Bridgewater looks pretty decent. Um, I think it's their defense that's been the biggest struggle over the past couple of weeks. And so I think that, that that CMC injury really affects the Carolina Panthers in a, in a major way, man. So those are my thoughts. What about you? What are your thoughts on the uh, on the preseason? Is it needed? Is it not needed? Is it a shortened preseason? And, and what teams do you think that these injuries affect the most? Yeah, man, I, I forgot completely about the 14 padded practices. I think that also makes a difference. Um, but I do feel like there's a difference, like how high schools now have scrimmage games, of even right. just being able to get out there run against a full defense that is an unpredictable defense or offense, whereas you, you remember in practice when you'd go against the, the scout team offense or defense, like they knew your plays exactly and right. what you were going to do, and, and it wasn't as tough and, and, and whatnot, uh, whereas you're getting to go against a team unscripted, they don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what they're going to do. And just being able to get your joints and everything back reacting to that and the hits. Um, once again, I don't think that we need four of them. And I don't think that the starters need to play the entire game at all. I just think that, that 
practice and being able to almost loosen up those joints um, where it's not as much in a protected practice atmosphere and it's more in that game atmosphere where you don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, I just thought that does something for your body. Um, but you brought up a good point, too. I, I don't, you know, I, I, I wonder as well about ACLs because there were so many ACL tears um, that, like, what makes it more probable to tear your ACL versus just, like, spraining your knee or spraining something? Because right. uh, right. we had so many and what, big names who went down with ACL tears. And, and then the fact that this week, you mentioned week one, we had virtually no injuries. And this week we have so many, and it's not just so many, but it's, like, the premier players in the NFL right now. Um, yeah. So I, I do think at least two games, though, back to the point of the preseason, is needed. Um, as far as the teams that I think was affected the most, the obvious answer, as you said as well, um, is the 49ers. Uh, you know, one reason they were already without uh, Debo Samuel, who got hurt before the season, uh, George Kittle, who was out this week and um, is most likely going to be out this coming week, um, and then Richard Sherman had already gone down. That's already three major hits, two on offense, one on defense, one of them at least coming back, being Kittle. But then you go out and lose um, two of your most important players on your defensive line and your, and your rush game, uh, um, defensive, you know, pass rush game, and losing Bosa and Solomon Thomas. Uh, and then you turn around and you lose your starting quarterback and two of your 17 running backs, but two of the, <laughs> two of the running backs who have the most impact on the offense. Um, and then, like you said, now they're just really left with Jarek McKinnon, who isn't – I mean, it's, it's hard to tell how good he is because he yeah. was a backup for most of his career right. with the Vikings, right. and then he came over and they paid him, paid him, and then he tore his ACL for the second time. And so I hope he does well, but now I wonder if they're looking at trading away Matt Burita and saying, I wish we could go back and not trade away Matt Burita because then they would at least have a running back who knows the system, knows everything, um, and can run with them. Um, I think they're obviously hurt. I, in fact, to the point where I think they win less than six games. My six games was not accounting for injury. My six games was just <laughs> accounting for the West got better, and um, I think they were going to heavily decrease. Um, I, man, they're they're going to they need a miracle to not get swept out of their their division um, and to pull together some wins because the the Cardinals actually look good, <laughs> um, like good good, and they are hurt all across the board. My second team. I debated between the Giants and the Broncos. Um, the Giants, my big thing there is I think they really the, – the, the only run game they have is in Saquon. They just brought in Devontae Freeman to take over that role. Um, but in order to let Daniel Jones, I think, be able to cook it up a little bit, um, you need an effective run game. Um because you at least had to try and respect the run game with Saquon back there. Now at this point, you know they're not going to be able to run. 
And so just make sure that Daniel Jones can't complete anything, and then you're good. Um, and then my thing with – but I don't think they had a legitimate chance to, like, make the playoffs or anything like that. So I'm going to knock them down a notch, and I'm going to go to the Denver Broncos. Um, I think the Broncos I, – I am I am buying what you're selling. I haven't seen Drew Locke play. I don't know how good he can actually be. But we did go on the record talking about them thinking that uh, when we looked at their schedule um, and everything, this is a team that could make a playoff spot, um, a team that had some some pretty nice pieces. Melvin Gordon has actually played pretty well for them um, in his revenge season. He's not lighting it up like I hoped he would, but he's, he's putting together a pretty nice um, two-game stretch so far. And I thought if this offense could get going, their defense is, I mean, outside of losing Von Miller before the season began, this defense is pretty nice. Um, and now you lost Von Miller, and now you've lost your number one receiver, who is a freak of nature, Cortland uh, um, Sutton, to a torn ACL and MCL, um, which I think he's gone for more than a season with something that major. And then you have Drew Locke out for who knows how long, um, I, I know Dr- uh, Driscoll came in. He took the Steelers uh, to the wire, um, and to, to the point where they were in a position where they could have had a go-ahead touchdown and couldn't get it um, to beat the Steelers, which then makes me question, you know, I know the Steelers looked good two weeks ago, but against a backup, Driscoll made the Steelers and their defense look pretty expendable. Uh, but that's not the topic of the day. The topic is <laughs> injuries and who affects the most. And I think by losing Drew Locke and losing your number one wide receiver, this offense takes a step back. Um, even when Drew Locke comes back, Cortland Sutton, every time I watch him play, um, he is, a very, in my opinion, a very underrated wide receiver. Uh, takes a lot of attention because if you just cover him one-on-one, he's going to make freak of nature catches. Um, and now that he's not an option, um, you have a bunch of rookie wide receivers leading the stretch in Hamler and Judy, and I don't know if they find as much success even when Drew Locke comes back because there's lack of experience there. Um, so I think this hurts them on the scale that they're going from playoff contention to they may have like a 7-9 and nine season if they can throw that yeah. together um, and be disappointed in missing the playoffs. Again, um, though you brought up good points with the the with the uh, the Panthers, uh, that division is wide open. I think it's going to close down as I've, I've kind of shifted my thoughts so far two weeks in, where I think Tampa Bay is the team to beat. Um, I think Drew, I think they're going to hit a stride, and I think Drew Brees is going to keep looking old. Um, yeah. But for the time being, the Panthers are fully in it. They're one and one. Um, I mean, you know, they're one and one, right? They won last week, or are they zero and two? I think they're zero and two. I think they're zero and two. Um, the Fal- the Falcons yeah, are one. The Bucks. Everybody else is one. No, the Fal- the Falcons are zero and two as well. Oh yeah, that's what. Yeah, I thought that's what I said. Yeah, no, yeah, that's what. I, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I <laughs> no, yeah, the Falcons. Anyway, obviously, it's it's uh, the Panthers are both zero and two. The other two teams are one and one. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's one and one, and zero and twos, which is a complete. Um, it's not out of reach already. So it's not like a whole bunch of two and O's versus O and twos. Now you got to come up with right. a bunch of leads. 
Yeah, no, sorry. That's a whole long-winded answer for me just to say the Broncos, I think, are the team that hurt <laughs> the most because of who they lost. Yeah, and that's a good point because it's the same thing that you're looking at with the with the 49ers is the rest of the AFC West looks really good. Um, you know, the the Raiders, we thought, were going to be garbage. They're 2-0. and They've looked pretty good at that 2-0. and um, The Chiefs are the Chiefs. Of course, they look good. Uh, the Chargers, led by Herbert this year, this, uh, this past week, took, they should have beat the Chiefs, honestly. Um, but they, they look good. So, yeah, it's not a, it's not a good time for the Broncos to, to be down their, their starting quarterback and their top wide receiver as well. So. All right. So I was going to bring up some Minshew mania because he played lights out again, but we'll hope that he does it on Thursday night and save him. I don't want to. Oh. We're now. Um, what, what is okay? Very quickly, Minshew and the Jaguars, for yeah. real or not? Let's talk about it, man. Because they're they're one of those teams. I've got like five or six teams, and maybe we can talk about this next week. I I can't figure out if the Jaguars are good or not. Like <laughs> it's like one of those. Are they are they are they are they good or? Because, I mean, the Colts are no joke, and they beat the Colts, and the Titans are no joke either, and they they only lost by three. And they they might – you can make the argument they might could, should have won that game. Uh, Minshew, I don't I don't have his stats in front of me, but he he looks like he knows what he's doing. He looks like he knows how to play. He I've always said this about him. He knows his role. Um, he doesn't try to do too much, and he's successful because he knows what he can do and what he can't do. And he, he's good at what he knows that he can do. Um, but they traded away their star running back. And this kid that they've got, James Robinson, I think he's an undrafted free agent out of Illinois State. He's looking good. And so I I, I guess the Jaguars are good, question mark. I don't, I don't really know. We won't really learn anything about them either because they're facing the Dolphins. But, well, see, I, uh, but I don't know. The Dolphins um, – yeah, Going back to alluding to to how my uh, fantasy went this week is that they only lost to the Patriots by ten, and we've decided that Cam is 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 looking like himself again, and right. he took the Seahawks to the wire. So they only lost to the Patriots by ten, and then they turn around and put up twenty eight on a Bills defense that is supposed to be really good, and only lost by three points. So. I think the Dolphins may also be improving. Now, having these two teams that we don't know about going against each other does not help us at all. But <laughs> the next week, the the Dolphins play the Seahawks in week four, and the Jaguars play – well, they play the Bengals in week four. They play the Texans in week five, so maybe after weeks four and five we'll know if these two teams are real. But it's definitely so – as given that, so we're going to go ahead and say, as long as there is no like major, major things we need to talk about, like this week it was all those injuries, we're going to put after that Thursday game because I'm going to watch that game because I had zero interest in it until Minshew went off for like four <laughs> touchdowns, um, and the Dolphins put up major points against um, against the Bills is. Are these teams, or mainly Jacksonville, because I think they're the ones who continue to stun me because they tried to completely unload everybody like um, 
like Miami did, except for they're not starting off getting blown out 59 nothing. Is is this team <laughs> legitimate, or are they frauds and it will eventually catch up to them? Let's talk about that next week. Let, let's watch them. Because I haven't actually watched – I haven't watched any Jaguars games. I just keep watching the final score. Um, and I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to stay up all the way until 1130 watching the Dolphins and the Jaguars go head-to-head on, on Thursday night. But I will watch the beginning half of that game um, <laughs> and form some form of opinion. And let's, let's, let's bring that back next week uh, as long as, like, you know, Tom Brady doesn't go down with injury or something. And we'll, we'll talk about whether the Jaguars are real or not. Because I have been – I am baffled by that team, and I don't know what to expect. Because <laughs> I thought they were going to win one game this season, and here they are, already yeah. won one game, and I don't know where to go from there. <laughs> yeah, they were they were not supposed to look like how they look right now. Um, so yeah, let's watch it and let's talk about it next week, man. I'm I'm interested. Well, now, now watch them like. suck this week, and yeah. the the like the Dolphins of all teams beat them down. Um, and then we'll have really nothing to talk about except for they are as bad as advertised because we're going to watch. But when we when we don't watch, they compete against good teams. When we do watch, they're awful. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, that is it for another episode of Once Upon East 112. Thank you for tuning in. Um, add your commentary. What did you think about the Falcons game? since most people that listen are Falcons fans. And what injury do you find most um, impactful from week two for a certain team? And let's go ahead. I'm going to say it. Let's take this 49ers off the table because that's the given. Uh, what other team was impacted the most? And we're out.